It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, before we get started with the nitty-gritty committee, I need to take a quick minute to tell you that my new book, Buddhism for the Unbelievably Busy, is available for pre-order at my website, michellelaurie.com. It's not about coping with a crazy life, I should warn you. It's about getting rid of all the useless stuff and keeping what makes you happy. So go to michellelaurie.com to get your copy. You know, I said four years ago after Big Brother that I would take any opportunities that came my way, but I thought that would last 15 minutes and it's been four years. Mm. You want to know my reality? You want to know what I do every day? But you, you follow me to see me go to these fun parties and wear these cute dresses and hang out with these famous people. This is my actual fucking reality. Yeah. My mum's been dying for 20 years very slowly. may or may not know that I've never been very interested in or very complimentary about reality TV stars. Mia Friedman once told me it's because it feels like their fame devalues me and what I do. So it's basically just my ego talking. That's harsh, isn't it? But um, I have to say, she's probably right. So really, it's just my problem to deal with. This is not really associated with that, though, because for some reason, I've always had some kind of positive feelings about Tully Smythe, who appeared on Big Brother four years ago. I've always felt like there's something more going on with her than bikini shots on Instagram, but I had no idea of the life she and her family have been living for the past 20 years in the shadow of her mother's dementia. This is the Nitty Gritty Committee, stories about the guts and the glory of life. And this week, we talk to Tully Smythe, professional influencer. As a social media influencer, Tully actually makes her living out of Instagram. And you'll hear in this conversation that that brings up some conflict for her. It's a career many people dream of, of course, but is it all it's cracked up to be? So I've been single for four years and I met someone very special and it was going very, very well. And then basically, long story short, without getting into too many details, um, I he ended things because I had too much of a profile and it wasn't his world and he didn't realise, um, he's not big on social media, um, He didn't. I don't think he realised that I was still kind of, 
I mean, I don't think I'm bloody relevant still, but apparently I am. Um, and it just, it was too much for him. And that really made me stop and assess where I am, where I've been, where I want to go. It made me regret and, you know, second guess every decision I've made the past four years. It made me wish I hadn't done Big Brother. It made, it really made me sort of reflect on, on me. And I, look, and I've said this to you before, you know, offline and probably even online. Um, I'm so lucky to do what I do and I'm so appreciative and I've done some amazing things. I've traveled the world. I've met some amazing people, go to some awesome parties, you know, get dressed, you know, in the, in the best stuff, but it's never been, I've never been challenged or completely inspired by it. Um, I've always had bigger dreams, bigger goals. There's a lot to unpack in everything you've just said. (laughs) Firstly, are you sure he's not just a dick? Like, are you judging yourself really harshly? Well, that's the thing. And, you know, and and my girlfriends have had similar, similar opinions. It just, it, it, it made me sort of go, is everything I've had in the last four years, the parties, the fun, the holidays, is that worth losing someone that I really care about? And I don't know if it is. But, but does he care about you enough if he's prepared to let that go? At the end of the day, the stuff that he, the things he has an issue with, I also have an issue with. Okay. I don't like paparazzi. I don't think that I've got a whole lot of substance. Do you know what I mean? Like waking up, I don't this to you before, waking up and taking a selfie for the day doesn't make me feel fulfilled. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've always been a lover. I've always been a, a true romantic. I've been a serial monogamist. This is the longest I've been single my entire life. And to me, love and family, um, that's the most important thing in the world. Um, and I would throw everything else away tomorrow if it meant I could have that. And so to, to lose someone that I really cared about because of this whole world, because of the selfies, because of the Snapchats, because of the birdcage, it's really made me stop and go, is this what I want to be doing? I think you're so interesting because you are living and now you're a, you're sort of turning on this life that so many people dream of having. I know. And an it's, Instagram star. And I'm really, I'm struggling. There's a fine line between sounding ungrateful. Yeah. Because I don't, I've always enjoyed it. It's always, up until now, it's been fun. It's been a side thing. It's never been what I wanted to focus on. I would have loved to go on into TV or radio would be amazing. But it's just been fun and, you know, oh, yeah, I'll just chuck a selfie up. And But this has made me go, it, I mean, is this, I mean, I'm not changing the world. I'm not saving lives. I'm not. And so I think that's why lately almost to sort of, I guess, help heal my, my little broken heart, mm. um, I've tried to take my social media channels into maybe a more meaningful direction and talk more about, because I have all this stuff. I've always had this stuff going on. I've always supported these charities. I've always had these feelings and thoughts. I've just kept them to myself. Um, and I've just kind of thought, well, I have this following. I can't, you know, I tried to go offline. I could, that's the other thing. I couldn't even take a break. I wanted to take some time out. And um, bless her, my manager, who was also my best friend, so I'm very lucky, she gave me three days. <laughs> and then I got a sort of a, a very, very sweet understanding text. Babe, I know you're going through a lot right now and you, you're not feeling like sharing, but you've got a job to do and you've got you know, posts that have been paid for and there are clients waiting for the content. And I was like, I can't even fucking take it like a a week off off this thing. Mm. And then that makes you feel even more overwhelmed and and 
more re- you know resistant to do it. Um, you know, and then I had spring racing carnival. Like, I, well, I had my thirtieth, and then I have a spring racing carnival, and it's just yeah. I've just been I've just been struggling. I've just the this, this, this sparkle of it has gone a little bit for me. But can I say that everything you're describing is how I feel about being on radio right, at the okay. moment. So I don't know that. The magic's kind of just. It's just, I think maybe it's anything. Like I'll tell you a quote from a comedian, Maria Bamford, mm-hmm. and she always says, people get into comedy thinking it will fill the hole inside of them and then this day comes when they realise it's not a comedy-shaped hole. Yeah. And I always think about what is the real shape of the hole inside yep. of me. I think about totally. that so much, right? particularly lately because I'm about to finish on radio and I think I'm relieved by that because I know it's not a radio-shaped hole but I still don't really know what, what how to, it is. Totally. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, it was really it was really tough because I, I – the, the kind of, the, I guess, the post that sort of changed everything for me was um, I decided to share a post, quite a vulnerable post um, with my mum in her care home. Yeah. My mum has early onset Alzheimer's in case no one's aware. Um and I, you know, for a long time, I have tossed and turned about sharing. I share a lot of photos of my mum and I when when she was younger, and she, you know, she was stunning, yeah, um, ab- absolutely beautiful. Um, but now, I mean, she is. I'm surprised she's alive. She looks dead to me. And I've often thought, you know, would it be a more powerful message? Would I get a, a bigger response if I shared a photo of her now because it's horrifying. It's it's really jarring. You know, only a few of my close friends have seen photos of her as she is today and they, without a doubt, end up in tears. So I've tossed and turned for a while about using that as an impact to try and gain awareness. End of the day, she's still, you know, our mom. I've got two younger brothers um, and she was very beautiful and she was very well kept and she always had her nails done and her hair done. And I think, you know what, if she, sh- if I shared one of those photos of her to my 230, she'd fucking kill me. <laughs> yeah, I know. She would kill hard. me. Yeah. So I shared something a little bit different. It was, m- it was me. That was sort of the big post where I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm done well, pretending. What was the reaction to that when it you – It was huge. Because I remember seeing that post and it was thinking – was huge. Do you know what I thought? I thought I knew there was something about Tully. I always knew there was something about you that was – that there was a deep – there was a depth but you weren't prepared to show it. And when I saw that, I thought, ah, that's what it is. Do you know what? I wrote that in the airport lounge. I had flown home to Sydney because I had just been broken up with and I was an absolute mess. As I said, second guessing my whole life and being like, what are, you know, what am I doing with myself? And I'd just gone to see mum on the way home and oh, it just it absolutely broke me. And I was writing that and I wasn't – I was so angry. You know when you type an angry email and you sit there and you're like literally hitting the keyboard? <laughs> yeah. I was there in the airport and I was just tapping this out and I thought, you know, my manager's going to kill me. I should really fly this past her first. And I was like, nope, don't give a shit. Posting it, don't fucking care anymore. Uh, I'm going to lose work for it, absolutely, because I'm – I worded it very carefully to not – as to not bite the hand that feeds me. It's what just, was it? What was the gist of the post? Basically it was like – you want to know my reality? You want to know what I do every day? But you you follow me to see me go to these fun parties and wear these cute dresses and hang out with these famous people. This is my actual fucking reality. Yeah. My mum's been dying for 20 years very slowly. Um, I don't go to fun parties every day. You know, I suffer from anxiety very severely. Um, my mum is very sick. We have a lot of, you know, my family is so 
fragile and 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 that that's my reality and i just wanted to be like don't yeah as i said don't compare your you know my highlights reel to your bloopers don't think that this is real life because it's not this is my fucking real life um and then i asked my followers because you know, again, the word influencer, which is what we're called these days, influencers, it, it makes me so uncomfortable because it implies that I have greater power. I, you know, I have power to influence somebody else to do something and that is just, it makes me feel icky. Yeah. Because I'm not, who the fuck am I? How am I better than anybody else? And again, controversial move and I actually messaged my manager when I'd calmed down a little bit and said, Sorry about that last one, uh, but I had, I had to say, I don't care what happens from it. I have to say it. And I said, look, if you've ever, if I've ever convinced you to buy anything, if I've ever worn a dress and you've gone, oh, that's cute and bought it. If I've, if I've put up a photo of, of a delicious dish at one of my the cafes that I get paid to go to and you've gone to check it out, I'm asking you to please go and donate anything to Alzheimer's Australia. Sorry, they've now been rebranded as Dementia Australia. I was like, because, like, I don't know, I was, I think I was trying to, like, appease or, like, you know, repent <laughs> what I felt were sins, I guess. And the response was overwhelming. It was, it was, I, I can't even tell you. The comments alone were humongous. Every, nearly every single person that they donated. But I was also obviously getting um, direct messages with some more personal stories. I was getting emails. Um, and then I thought, well, now I've posted that. How can I go back to posting so then the next post I did was about Lifeline, which I already was working with because um, I, was I wasn't a good friend. I'd met Charlotte Dawson um, just as before she passed away and she reached out to me because I was being trolled heavily because oh, of, no, of so the big brother and she reached out to me. She actually, I was doing um, a panel on the Today Show one morning and she was a guest after me and she saw that I was a guest um, and I'd wrapped the panel and was about to leave and she had run down from makeup carrying her heels, wasn't ready to go, but she wanted to catch me before I left. And she was like, dog, dog, go, come over here. She's like, don't fucking listen to them. She's like, don't read any of it. Don't listen to them. You know, they're all a bunch of miserable so-and-so. <laughs> um, and she actually invited me to be her date to an event um, the Wednesday of the week that she passed away. So I, um, so then the post I did after, after my mum's post was a post about Lifeline and I just wanted to keep going. Like, and I did, you know, I had some little, this, this beautiful teacher who had on her, off the, you know, her own back written this illustration, illustrated children's book. Um, she was noticing the effect social media was having on her youngest kids in class. And she'd written this little book explaining how, you know, it's not about likes, it's not what's important. And she was doing a, you know, a GoFundMe. So I did a post for her. And I just wanted to keep going and just any other, any other charities, like bring it my way. But then, you know, again, I had my manager message me and say, you got to do a, you know, a paid post. And then I had to t- put up this post of me, you know, with a discount code saying, go buy this. And it just, it just all felt so trite. Yeah. But I mean, I think you're being so hard on yourself. Um, is there room for light and shade, do you think? Or are you, you're not ready no, for... No, I don't think anyone... I mean, I feel like people want to see... They want to see fun. They want to see frivolity. They want to see me smiling and, and, and me with my, you know, other fun, famous friends. Well, I guess that is the question. How many followers do you have on Instagram? Not not nearly as many as a lot of other people. 230,000. Right. I've got 20,000. So how do you, is that, what attracts all of those people to follow you on Insta? A lot of them I think have hung around from, 
from Big Brother days. Yeah. Um, that obviously we were one of the first kind of reality TV shows to come out and then have this boom happen. Um, before then it was all very much everyone had their own personal accounts with like 30 friends. Um, so that I think was obviously my my grounding. And then obviously my background working in advertising and social media strategy I think gave me the skills to keep it going. Wow. Okay. I don't know why I stick around. There's definitely been peaks and troughs. Like I've lost and then gained. Um, you know, Ruby Rose did a video with me in it and I just went – yeah, and then as soon as they realised I wasn't dating girls anymore, I just down again. Lost them all. <laughs> Not enough wow. Ruby here for us, so they left me. Um, I don't know why they stick around. You know, and do you have to watch that every day? Like I don't know. I, I don't care. No. People do. People monitor. They look at their analytics. They say, okay, cool. So eight pm on a Tuesday is the best time to post. So let's post then. I've always made my accounts real time. What you see today is what I'm doing today. Yeah, it's hard to walk away from I'm, something I'm, you've built. Totally, and. And it's hard to rebrand. Like yesterday I um I did I've done two now. I'd hate talking to myself on camera. I'd rarely yeah. talk to myself. It's weird, yeah. I yeah. hate I just I hate my own voice. I sound really nasally. I haven't watched any of Big Brother back because of that exact reason. <laughs> Everyone thinks that about their voice, by the way. No, you have a mine's like this there's like something I think probably have like a sinus problem or something. <laughs> no, but I, I've done two now. I did one a couple of weeks back where uh, I told all my followers that I had been seeing a psychologist for my anxiety um, and that I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that. And I think that if I'm happy to share a photo of me in a cute little, you know, active web set at F45, why can't I talk about my mental health? Um, and that just went gangbusters. Yeah. And then yesterday I had an absolute mental breakdown. Uh, I was moving house and I just woke up just feeling just so anxious and um, my removalist cancelled on me last minute, so I had a couple of hours to kill and I just did another little video about my anxiety and how I was feeling. And, again, I'm still, like, I can't even, I, I'm into that. I think we got, a, I, like, over 200 messages, mainly from young females, mm. just being like, thank you so much for being able to put into words how I feel every day. And, you know, and these are people that, I mean, I'm, you know, my job is a double-edged sword. I, if I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling anxious, I have the luxury of sleeping in. Mm-hmm. Same time, I have a lot of free time on my hands. And when you've got an overactive imagination and, and you're an anxious person, having spare time isn't the best thing in the world. Yeah. But I don't have to get up and go to a hospital and save lives. I don't have to get up and look after five young children under the age of, you know, 10. And a lot of these people that are messaging me deal with what I have to deal with every day, but they're also then having to go and do these jobs. So it was, it was, it was really... But at the um, same time, they're not expected to make themselves look perfect every day for a brand. Yeah, I guess. That's a lot of pressure. To- totally, totally. And they don't have a manager ringing them if they haven't posted in three days. I know, but then again, like, is that really like, is that not a first world problem? Like, that's really my uh, biggest issue in life. Look, I don't know. I mean, it's not, we've, we've all got first world problems. You and I do, that's for sure. All of my problems are first world problems, but it doesn't mean it doesn't affect my anxiety and affect the way I move around the world, you know? Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, I had, I mean, there were definitely a few trolls yesterday that were like, you don't know when anxiety is. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I guess I'm just trying now to. Because I feel like I don't, I, I don't know what it's like to have your mum suffer early onset dementia. And you must have been incredibly young when that started. Yeah, so I was, I was 15. Well, see, it's funny because I remember it being 15. But obviously when you're 15, I mean, you're so self-absorbed. I was, all I cared about was boys and my friends and could I sneak a cruiser in, you know, to, yeah. to a party. Yeah. Um, but now in hindsight and also speaking to dad, um, there were signs of it much earlier than that. 
Um, you How know, old was she then? Well, so dads, they're a bit older. So they, they were together for quite a while before they had us. Um, dad's 71 and mum's five years younger. Okay. So she was early 50s. Okay. Um, yes, early 50s. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, dad says that in hindsight there were signs from much early on, stuff like um, sending double emails, you know, sending an email to a client and then forgetting that she'd already sent it and sending another one. And I'm, I think the first thing I remember was um, we used to have these advent calendars and rather than have like the, just the chocolate advent calendars, we would, she would hide little clues for us and we'd have like a treasure hunt. And one year she'd forgotten where she'd hid everything. Wow. And that was kind of the first thing I remember. Um, but then obviously as I got older, it was a lot more obvious, losing the car constantly um, in supermarkets. Um, we'd always have like four bottles of milk in the fridge. And then it got it became weirder and more t- sort of twisted. Like she all of a sudden, um, my younger brother was the favourite child and, and nobody else, you know, she'd buy food just for him and I wasn't allowed to eat his food and stuff like that. Wow. So, and I started accusing my beautiful, beautiful, like saint of a father who's never been anything but, you know, unwavering, like just so loyal and supportive. She all of a sudden got into her head that he was cheating on her and just bizarre behaviour. Um, you know, she'd watch a trailer of a movie and and sort of say, oh, I love you, I loved that movie. And I'd be like, mum, you haven't even, that movie's actually not even out yet. Like you can't have seen that movie because that's a trailer. Yeah. So stuff like that. That's what. That's the early stuff that I remember. And so when do you remember diagnosis? What do you remember of so diagnosis? So they, they, they actually checked for plaque on her brain um, quite early on. Didn't, nothing really came up. So then we went into checking for brain tumours, sleep apnea. Um, she was very, very against all of it. Being this sort of bright, you know, she was such a bright, you know, amazing woman who would work crazy hours and advertising and then come home and look after us and then on the weekends throw these lavish dinner parties. I think, you know, again, now that I'm older and in hindsight, she knew she was losing her mind. Something was very wrong. And she just, she fought it. She fought it for as long as she could. You know, she refused. Dad had to literally drag her to some of these tests. And then when we figured out she didn't have any of those things, we went back again and looked at plaque and, and there was quite obviously plaque on her brain. And by this point, she was so out of it that dad and I fought about whether we should even tell her. Oh. He didn't see the point in upsetting her because she was already quite loopy. Um, whereas I was like, there, that, that's not even a question. Um, and I think that's probably one of the first moments where I, I switched from being child to co-adult. Mm, how old were you then? 16. Mum was the cook. Mum was the bill make, you know, the bill payer. Mm. And overnight, Dad had to learn all of this stuff. Plus, he's looking after a, you know, teenage girl who was an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, my brother's only a year younger than me. And then Tom, my youngest brother, was only like nine. So he's a baby still. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shit really hit the fan in a big way. Yeah. And we kept, you know, we Dad being very traditional and old school and, and also just an amazing, amazing man and husband and father, um, wanted to keep her at home for as long as possible. In Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. She was at home for far too long. Okay. You know, like it starts to, I mean, when you're coming, and this is probably an overshare, but I think this is the kind of important stuff that needs to be said about it because nobody wants to talk about 
Alzheimer's or dementia because it's not a fun disease to talk about because it has no cure, there is no hope, there are no fun celebrities that have gone through it that can talk about how they survived it. There's literally not a whole lot of of, of sunshine Mm. in Alzheimer's and dementia. But, you know, when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, coming out to the kitchen and your mother's standing there with her own feces in her hands because at this point she's double incontinent, mm-hmm. something's got to give. Yeah. Um, and I, it got to the point where dad, I gave dad a break, we'll try to. And, again, he was so old. You know, we were offered respite nurses and, and this and that and different resources from people and no, 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 we've got this, we've got this, you know, I can do this, she's my wife, you know, I've, I've got it. Um, I tried to give dad a break one day and send him away probably to the pub and look after mum on my own. And by this point I was probably 17, 18 years old, so I wasn't a kid. Um, and I turned my back for one second and she was going for the Drano um, in the kitchen and in trying to wrestle it off her, she, she was still physically, that's the thing, she was still physically so strong because she was still quite young, you know, young. Um, she uh, grabbed, my, grabbed me by the throat and threw me to the ground and I hit my head on, we had like, uh, not marble, but like, tiled floors and that was it I was like I can't I can't do this anymore and I I actually went and dad was still out I went and called the aged care assessment team which is the first step to getting someone into care and I said I you need to come over tomorrow like I can't we can't do this anymore um I was like you know dad's drinking and I'm trying to do my HSC and my little brother's only nine years old and every night we're being woken up by mum having these psychotic episodes. And I was like, we can't. Someone has to come and get her. Um, and that was obviously a hard phone call to make because we're basically, I was raising the white flag and saying that we surrender and going behind my dad's back to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it needed to be done. After the break, Tully shows me her bank balance, and it's pretty startling. Coming up on the Nitty Gritty Committee, Tully tells us about her beautiful dad. But first, she remembers the coping mechanisms she built up as a teenage daughter of a dementia sufferer. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
you were still at school? How was how was, was your twelve? How was your teenage life? Your your friendships, all of that stuff. Did that all had to stop for a while? You know what? And it's I'm not proud of it, but I kept it. I didn't keep it a secret. I was, you know, there were parts of me that were ashamed. Yeah, I didn't want to have friends over because mum was so erratic. You know, like she she dragged it. <laughs> You've got to laugh because if you don't laugh, you cry. She dragged them over to the fridge and start talking through all her fridge magnets, like reading through and just explaining all the fridge magnets. And I'd be like, Mom, like, like, like we're going to my room. Like, you know, leave her alone. Or, you know, my younger brother would bring friends over and she'd be patting them on the bottom like they were, you know, toddlers. Like she just, so, we, you know, I stopped bringing friends over. I, none of my friends were going through anything remotely similar. You know, I often say that it would have been easier if she'd had cancer. Because then at least five of my friends would have known someone in their family that yeah. had cancer and they would maybe understand. But how am I supposed to explain what was happening to my mum? By that point, I mean, most people were too young to even have their gra- grandparents go through it. Um, so I just kind of, it was my sort of dirty little secret and I just tried to keep my friends separate to my home life. Um, and, you know, and, and I'd go out and I'd, I'd, you know, do everything that you do when you're a teenager, un, you know, underage drink and party and whatever. Mm. And then I'd come home and I remember feeling so resentful because every time I came home, dad would unload the day of what had happened with mom. And I felt like being like, I don't want to hear this. Like, let me be the kid. Like, I'm the kid. You're the adult. Don't, I don't want to hear. You've just ruined my day. I don't want to hear about what happened with mom. And, you know, but I was, you know, I was like his only, his only friend. Yeah. Was he isolated as well? Absolutely. And, you know. His family have been absolutely amazing. His his brother has helped us out in more ways than one. Because this, I mean, this is just completely, we're just hemorrhaging money by this point. Okay. Dad had to quit his job. Mum had obviously quit her job. We'd worked through their superannuation. Um, you know, care is expensive. Mm. Um, the system is flawed. And, and he had three teenage children at school still. Um, we were just hemorrhaging money. And so his family have been absolutely amazing. Mum's family, on the other hand, I don't talk to anymore because they just come, like, they disappeared. Mm. They just, she's got a sister who lives in New Zealand and a brother who lives in Sydney, which is where my family are from, which is where my mum is. And they just went off the radar. It, you know, and my my brothers and my dad blessed them I guess are, are much better people than than I am, and much more understanding. And and they say, you know, everyone deals with it differently, and and maybe it's too hard for them, and maybe they can't bear to see her that way. And I say, fuck that! Like that's that's not good enough. Mm. They're family. Like how, they've not got, once gone to visit her in her care home. They've not once called dad and said, how can we help? How can we come and help you? How is she? Um. You know, he, dad's, we've, dad and mum had a lot of great friends and a lot of them have stuck by, but a lot of them didn't because, it, again, it's not a fun disease. It's not – you can't go visit mum in chemo and hold her hand and paint her nails and chat. You go visit her and she's comatose. She's a vegetable. So it's, you know, it's – he definitely is isolated. And, he, you know, and, he, and he, he'd gone from this amazingly, you know, bright, smart, funny – charismatic, um, life of the party man to this 
heartbroken, depressed, socially anxious shell of a human being. You know, he's, he's lost his best friend. He's lost his wife. He, he's been stuck in this horrific limbo land for the best part of 20 years. He can't move on. He's still married. Oh, he still loves her. Just about to ask, has he found a way to move on? How in 20 years? can you do that? Yeah, he's still married. Yeah, it would take a pretty bloody amazing woman to understand that. Not only is he still married, but he goes and visits her every day. Mm. Writes her beautiful cards to my bestest girlfriend. You're the most. You're still the most beautiful, you know, girl to me every day. How can he's stuck? Mm. That's a lot to live up to for another man in your life, by the way. Like your totally, dad's... and I think that's that is that plays a huge part in why I have been single for so long. He's because pretty I, amazing, he's, and he's and he's completely accepting of this incredibly challenging partner of his. And I feel like you're sort of thinking of yourself as being very challenging, which I think is unreasonable. I don't think, I certainly don't think your internet stardom is. You know, I feel I just I'm still caught back there. I feel like you know, if this man was right for you, he he could have helped you through these feelings rather than. Yeah, I think that um, you know, having someone like my dad be so amazing. Yeah. Um, watching absolutely, you're right. Watching that and watching my dad support my mom and and still to this day, you know, even and like I'll be the first to say it, she looks like a living corpse. She's not looking cute to these days. And he'll go on there and he'll pat her head and he will tell her, you know, that she looks beautiful. And absolutely that sets the bar high for who I'm looking for and who I want in a man and, and what I know I can I can have. And, um, yeah, and I think that, yeah, in some ways, I mean, I definitely feel like damaged goods. I think that... Um, I've, you know, I mean, I've had I've had professionals tell me that I've got abandonment issues, um, amongst a myriad of other mm. other issues. But um, no, definitely, I think that that he has set the bar very high in terms of what I'm looking for, and and I think that I am looking, you know, for someone to support me like he's he's sort of my mum. Mm. And I guess when someone throws the towel in so quickly at the first sign of trouble. Um, it does make me feel like I'm hard to love. Oh, that is not about you. That's not about you. That's got nothing to do with you. That's all about him. I don't know who this is. I don't know anything about him. And I, I'm not even saying he's a bad person, but his inability to live with all sides of you, you are not, you're not a serial killer, mate. You're not a bad person. You know, you're an is, Instagram star. The other I mean, thing is, I'm not, but I'm not like, I'm not Selena Gomez. Like, I'm not getting papped in Melbourne. No, you're not. I'm not. <laughs> no one's hiding, waiting for me outside of, you know, for, you know, waiting for me. No. I'm not getting followed around. Not one single photographer asked for a photo of me at the birdcage. Yeah. And this is what kind of I've, you know, I flip and, I flip and change between how I feel about the situation. But, you know, like, fuck you. Like, mm-hmm. am I really not worth like, what about my my heart yeah. and my humour and my brain and my humility? Like, is that really not worth possibly maybe one day having to get a photo with me on a media wall? Yeah. So I think the person. appeal with this particular guy, and he is the first person that I've cared about in four years, which is, you know, it, it, it's that's a long time yeah. to be single. It's a long time also. Obviously, I've been dating, so I've been out and about. I've seen what's out there. What they're selling, I ain't buying. Yeah. Yeah. So to find someone who is smart and driven and owns his own business and is, you know, age appropriate, that was the other thing. I kept going for these 23-year-olds and wondering why they didn't want to have a baby with me next year. Yeah. 
Um, like, wait, so you don't want to get married in September? I'm, conf- I'm confused. Um, he ticked so many boxes. Um, and I loved that he wasn't into social media. Yeah. I loved that he hated that shit. Mm. Because I guess to sort of say, like, this is who I am. I can't change it. I can't go back and not do the show. I can't change any of this. Even if I deleted my account tomorrow, in fact, that might create even more attention around me because where's she gone? Mm. Um, so this is who I am, take it or leave it. And to have someone turn around and say, well, I choose to leave it. Mm. What can I do? That's not about you, bub. Well, then I turned 30 and I was alone. Yeah. Oh, God. You're sort of in the middle of a perfect storm at the moment, aren't oh, you? I'm in the eye of a <sighs> catastrophe. I am on the edge. Oh. You wait. It'll get worse. I'm probably going to have a Britney Spears meltdown and shave my head and attack a car with an umbrella at any minute. I am so broke. Like, this is the other thing. People think that I'm just rolling in cash. I think that. You're not. Oh, You want to show my bank balance right now? If you want to show me. I just moved house yesterday, right? Yes. So I had to pay bond and rent and I had to go to Ikea. Because mm. I saw you last week at the birdcage with all the famous people at the races. You can pass it around to Michelle. Um, that's not a joke. In designer dresses. And I don't have another, I don't have another account. That's Aww. not, that's not a joke. Okay. You have $707 account balance, but available is only $1.38. No, it's minus, Michelle. I beg your pardon. Minus $1.38. This is the other thing. People think that we live this yeah. amazing rock star life. I do think that, No. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, and this is the nature of the beast. Some days or weeks I could make $10,000, you know, $10,000, but then I could make nothing for three months. Mm. You can't, with, you know, being an influencer, you can't, you don't know when your next job's coming up. You don't have a salary. You can't mm. plan. You can't organise a direct debit because you have no idea when you're going to be paid next. You can't get a mortgage. You can't get a car loan. can't get a mortgage. can't get a car loan. can't get a credit card. Mm. I mean... Getting a, you know, applying for a house is, rent, even renting is difficult. Oh, you can't just show them your Instagram followers and go, as if you wouldn't give me the house. Look at me, I'm famous. It's like, well, I can give you a case of, you know, free beer. <laughs> Do you want that instead of rent? Because I've got heaps of freebies. If you want free makeup products, I can pay you in that. But I'd much rather be broke than be doing something that I, that I hate. Yes. Holler. So okay, I continue. I, get that. Yep. I continue to chase this. You know, and my brother is so funny because they're so different. My middle brother Scott, he's very pragmatic, black and white, this and that. He's been making millions since he was very young. I think he kind of took on the patriarch role in in our family, patriarch role in our family. When Dad became Mum's nurse, Scott became Dad wow. in many many ways. If you met us, you would absolutely think that he was older than me. Absolutely. And he's, you know, he works his bloody ass off and he makes good money. And I'm constantly like, hey, so <laughs> I know I asked you for money last week. Um, and, you know, we're so different and, and all he wants is to see me back at a, de- you know, at a desk. He won't be happy until I'm back in an office. And, I, you know, I, I say to him, I'm like, I know I'm broke, I know I'm 30 and I haven't got a cent to my name and I don't know how I'm going to pay rent next month, but I would rather be broke and chasing my dream They'd be miserable yeah. and going to a desk every day. Yeah, you're 30. You're too young for that. You don't have kids. You don't owe anyone anything. Yeah, but also I don't own anything full <laughs> stop. Like I don't own a house. I don't own my car. I, You know, yeah. like. What about the littlest brother? What's his Tom. car? 
So little Tom was nine when your mum. So Tom and I, Tom and I are like my dad, and Scott's like my mum. So Tom is very much like me, very sensitive, very sensitive. He's gone into advertising as well. So mum and dad met in advertising. I went into advertising. Um, Scott's in sales, and Tom has gone into advertising as well. Um, he's he's he, it's been tough. You know, he never had a mum. Um, he was around a lot of stuff that he shouldn't have been around. Uh, when mum, as I said, when mum was sort of losing her mind, she for some reason, acted as if Tom was her only ally. This is a nine-year-old boy. Oh, this is the one she bought the special food for He was the favourite. He always was the favourite because he was her baby. He's the baby, yeah. Um, even before she was visibly ill, he was always the favourite, and we all knew that, and that's fine because he's the youngest. Mm. But as she got sicker, it became a, a bit twisted. You know, she, I remember once um, she went in into his bedroom and sat in his bed and said, told him that she wanted to kill herself. And, you know, he's nine years old. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely affected him. And he's still living at home with dad and I feel that he definitely feels duty-bound to stay there. Um, and I think that dad's issues, you know, Tom's absorbed by osmosis. Mm. Um, so he's got anxiety. He's on, you know, he struggles a lot as well. He's got a heart like me. He's very sensitive. Um, yeah, so he's... A, and that's the thing. We just we're all so messed up <laughs> in so many ways. I've always said that one day, you know, as a family, we're going to make a psychiatrist very wealthy. <laughs> well, yeah, you've had you've had a terrible thing happen to you through no fault of anybody's. And but everybody's, you know, everybody has their stuff. Yeah. Everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And yeah, we've been given a pretty bloody unfair, you know, deal. But there've been so you know everybody has their stuff and. And I remember when I was doing research on the on the disease, reading about this woman who was 32 and she was diagnosed with younger onset or early yeah. onset, depending on who you talk to. And um, and she was pregnant and she'd wake up and forget that she was pregnant. Wow. And then, she, you know, she had the baby and she'd forget that the baby was hers. So there's, there's always someone. And then, of course, that leads into the fact that it is genetically linked and that I, you know, myself or my brothers could also – have the disease. I have a friend whose father had a genetic or does have a genetic kind of dementia and there was a test that they were we able do to a test. take. Okay. It took them a long time to decide to do it and after about four years they did do the test. Where are you at with that? Yes, there is a test we can take. Look, to be honest, I've always been in the mindset of no. Um, I don't want to know. Mum was in her late 50s. She'd had a pretty great life. She already had three kids. Um, and the kind of person that I am, I don't know how I would handle it. As I'm getting older, um, I'm thinking about it more and more. I kind of made this subconscious deal with myself um, that I would think more seriously about it if and when I got a long-term partner and if and when we were discussing children because you are able to, if you do have the gene, if you do have the gene, first of all, do I want to procreate at all? Yeah. If I'm, if I'm not going to be around. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if I do have the gene, you, you are able to remove it through IVF. Oh, wow. So I could have, if I had the gene, I could have a baby and it not have the gene. Okay. But after going through what I've gone through, is that, would I feel right even having a child? Which is possibly the most devastating thought because all I've wanted to do is be a mum and have kids. So... That to me is is the most devastating sort of factor in it, mm. and you know it's it's just 
you know, it's already, this disease has already taken so much from us. To take another one of us or two or or three, I don't even know what we'd do. I know you hate pity and this is not pity, but I do think sometimes that people need to accept that the amount of pressure they're under is enormous. Like you shouldn't be apologising ever for for anything. I mean, the fact that you're still standing and the fact that you do have a public life and that you share your life, that's that's pretty impressive given what you've lived through. Like you, your parents raised a pretty great girl. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome and I mean it. You're a pretty impressive human. It's funny because um, I won't mention any names because we all know her. But um, after that, the video I did yesterday where I was speaking about how you know, the removal is cancelled and I just I just had this not – I just was describing anxiety. Yeah. The physical feeling of anxiety. I got a, a, a lecture from a, a very old friend of mine who is in the public eye mm-hmm. and she basically called me a narcissist and uh, told me – like it was basically a, a – a talking down to about, you know, she was like, yeah, I've seen the video, as is everybody else. Um, you need to get your head up. Like it was, it was a real, mm. it was very confronting. Um, That's cruel. Well, it was bizarre because, you know, everything else I'd gotten back from that video was so positive and, and, and like if anything it was people were saying, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for helping me feel less alone. Thank you for helping me. You know, I felt sick this morning mm. and knowing that you felt sick too made me feel less like a weirdo and blah, 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 blah. And then have someone say, and then I have someone say that I was being narcissistic. I've been called a lot of things in my life. Yeah. A lot of things. A lot of, and some of them I absolutely agree with. <laughs> As I said before, I, I do tend to play the victim sometimes without realising it. A narcissist? I've never been called a narcissist before. It's also a new word that everyone uses for everyone, by the way. Well, also, if you knew exactly who said this to me, you would probably <laughs> scoff. But um, I, I might send her a message if I find out who she uh, is, a nasty you would, bitch. You, prob- you probably would love to send her a message. Oh, really? <laughs> um, no, but it was just bizarre. And then, and then it made me think, you know, am I doing – should I not be sharing? Am I doing mm. the wrong – like, should I not be – am I talking too much? Like it's, you know, am I not, should I not be sharing my story? It's just, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have to and, you know, but but if you choose to, I genuinely think you have and you do help a lot of people and you and I both need to learn. As much, and Charlotte Dawson, bless her, was the first one to preach it and was the worst one at doing it. It's so hard to filter out those shit voices you know, and, and just go with the voices of people who support us. It's really hard to just ignore and block like everyone tells us they're all the time. They're not the ones that, that stick in your brain. They're, yeah. not, they're not the ones that, you know, I literally sat up late. I, you know, I moved house yesterday and then I sat up until, I don't even know, 1am replying because I wanted to reply to every single person that yeah. messaged me because some of these people were sharing some very horrific stories. Yeah. And I, you know, and I just, I, but I didn't remember, I don't, can't tell you any of those messages. What I'm remembering is what, that other person said to me. There's an 
old Buddhist saying that goes, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I know she doesn't have the confidence to think of herself as a teacher, but I do feel like I just learnt a lot from Tully Smythe. Of course, you can follow her on Instagram, where her handle is at T, T double E, underscore Smythe, S-M-Y-T-H-E. And I'll put a link on the Facebook page as well that goes along with the Nitty Gritty Committee. The traditional Tibetan music in this episode was performed by Tenzin Shoyul, and you can find his music on iTunes and the spelling of his name in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee, and thank you for going to iTunes and giving us lovely reviews and five stars. Thank mm-hmm. you.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 